five, four, <laughs> yep. speed, speed. Oh, we're getting to a hockey position we haven't talked about. Yeah, well, so. we're back on the ice, and this is a good one. Yeah, this will be good. Talking about arguably the de- best defenseman of all time, if not a top three. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I am Dom DiTola alongside my co-host, Chris Quinn, and today we are headed to the ice to talk about probably one of the best defensemen of all times. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, Paul Coffey. Yeah, Paul Coffey. Getting uh, a couple of cups of coffee on this podcast. Yeah, it'll probably intersect with our uh, old Grant Fuhr episode, at least the beginning of his career. So uh, you want to get into it? Yeah, I was thinking about it. He's definitely one, two on the best defenseman line. So he's either on line one or line two on the best defensemen's ever. And it's pretty much like, well, what do you want? You want an offensive defenseman? or exactly. you just want? And that's what I love about him was he was such a... And we'll get into it. He was very savvy as far as uh, helping his team put the uh, puck in the net. Yep. But uh, Paul Coffey, born uh, June 1st, 1961 in Malton, which is uh, actually not born there, grew up there, uh, born in Weston, Ontario, Canada, which is, I assume, the Toronto area Yeah. as far as where it's at. And... Uh, Just, when you're born there, you're going to be a hockey player. Yeah, there, there wasn't a lot about his childhood but i imagine it was very uh canadian growing up playing in all the junior leagues and playing you know pretty much hockey every single eight months out of the year i don't even know like they they go hard yeah exactly i mean and he's a bigger dude he's six foot 200 pounds which for hockey is a bigger dude yep. as opposed to other sports and uh really finds his niche in this uh particular area and uh plays in 1974 the uh Quebec International, uh, part of the uh, hockey tournament uh, from a team from Mississauga outside of uh, Toronto. Yeah, and that's I just feel like it's so common uh, for these Canadian kids. So yeah, uh huh, and uh, obviously not a French Canadian, so subject to the uh, NHL draft at the time. And he's so good as a defenseman. And we had talked about this on our WHA episode how. The four teams that were absorbed from the WHA, you had the Edmonton Oilers, the Hartford Whalers, the uh, Quebec Nordiques, and the Winnipeg Jets. While the Jets were the most dominant team to emerge from the WHA, the team that drafted the best were the Edmonton Oilers. Yep. Granted, you already had Messier and Gretzky in your back pocket, but you're building up the rest of your roster and in 1980 of that particular draft, they select Paul Coffey sixth. Which uh, I found it interesting because I feel like it's high for a defenseman, but they were so ready to have a, just like a great defenseman right off the bat. To You know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't a, a crazy pick because like you were saying, they're building a franchise team that will... I mean, we see in the next couple of years. Well, and not only that, is when your front line is stacked yes. with guys like Gretzky and Messier and Glenn Anderson and all and Yari Curry later. Yeah. All of these guys who are just dominant, you're like, let's get some defensemen who know how to play offense. And Paul Coffey is that guy. He is the offensive defenseman. How about that one? So Yeah. And they, uh, I don't know if we said this, but he was drafted in the 80 draft, but then he becomes a staple of the team, 81, 82. Like right away, they're like, 
this guy is going to be, you know, our first line defenseman. Yeah. And while he played minors from uh, 77 up through 80, where yeah. he dominated and you're just like, well, this guy's going to be a nice piece for this already young and badass franchise. It all really comes out in uh, 8081 has 32 points in 71 games. And then in 81-82, he scored 89 points and was second team all at NHL. Well, that's when we see what this, uh, that's what we see what Paul Coffey can do because 89 points from a defenseman is insane. And that's not, that's like low for him over his career. Yeah, no, over his career. That's what I mean. And that's what's so insane is he was such a great defenseman. He was so instinctual when you would get a team in their own zone, knowing when to pass, knowing when to shoot, knowing just the lay of the land of the ice, basically. And 82-83... Oilers make their first Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, I mean, they ha- granted they have a very young team, and they eventually fall to the Islanders. But he has ninety six points and fourteen points in the playoffs, which for a defenseman is ridiculous. Yeah. he's being looked at now as the new Bobby Orr. Well, let me just say this: is you have wingers, centers that don't ha- that don't put up numbers like this. Yeah. So, like, for your defenseman to be doing it, that's why everyone's like, "Oh shit, the Oilers like mean business here." Oh, so, totally. Yeah. No, and it just keeps continuing. That's the other thing. Yeah. Entire roster. I mean, granted, they go to the Stanley Cup Finals and win in 83-84. He had 40 goals that season along with 86 assists, which means he had 126 points, which was second overall in scoring. That's for every position. Yeah. These are frontline guys that he's outscoring and had 22 points in the playoffs that year. And they eventually ended the New York Islanders drive for five that year. They were the most dominant force in the NHL. And he just, along with the rest of his roster, said, fuck it, because that was also the year Grant Fear was in net for the Oilers. Yeah. 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 So check that check that episode out. But it, it's just interesting because they came back and beat this Islanders team and and made them the new powerhouse because it really was a shifting of power. And we see over the next couple of years that the Oilers like seriously step in. And Gretzky had talked about that um, actually in that Islanders thirty for thirty on those teams where he had said the year before where they had lost. They were just in the locker room all dejected, and they had saw the Islanders players come back, and they were just completely worn out after all of those deep playoff runs and those four in a row where they were just like, oh, my God, all of this is over. And yeah. at that point— It wasn't even a celebration for them. Yeah, it was just more or less like we took care of business, and then Edmonton just takes that mantle and just dominates. Well, I feel like they get that realization like that was closer than we thought next year they're ours and that's like yeah it's really great and they do it with paul coffee as one of their biggest pieces well in 84 85 the following season he uh wins the norris trophy for the first time and if you're not familiar i we may or may not have talked about this previously um they have all sorts of specific names for positions uh when you win the Norris Trophy in the NHL, you're the best defenseman for that year. And that was the first year for Paul Coffey. Yep. 
And he absolutely dominates. He has 37 goals, 84 assists, 121 points. And then on December 26th of 1984, he was the last defenseman of the 20th century to score four goals in a game. That is remarkable. It's so ridiculous. You watch NHL games now, you're like, okay, if somebody's getting four goals in a game, not going to be your defenseman. No. No. And they did it against their uh, cross-province rival, I guess. That's the best way to put it. Uh, Flames. Sorry, Canadian fans. Yep. But uh, in the playoffs, he set a record for most goals, 12, most assists with 25, and points, 37 by a defense. Do you know how ridiculous that is? Well, that's what I mean. The 85 playoffs might be his best stint as a defenseman. It is such a ridiculous run where he has 12 goals, 25 assists. It, it, that's what made this Oilers team the, the powerhouse. Yeah, but I mean, like... That's a good series regardless of position. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. That is a phenomenal, like, out-to-lunch badass regardless of where. That'd be like a goalie allowing maybe two or three goals a series. Yeah, no, it's crazy. For a defenseman, and then on top of that, for any position, like you said. Like, yeah, that's why Paul Coffey transcends this, this, you know. And that's what I was. That's what we were saying before. He's if he's not the best defenseman ever, he's the second best, and it's just your preference at that point. It really is. It's just like whatever floats your boat. Yeah. But there's no argument as far as him being in the conversation. Exactly. They beat the Flyers in the finals that year, four yeah. to one. So they win two in a row, and then in '85, '86 wins another Norris Trophy. And then he breaks is, yeah. Bobby Orr's goals record by a defenseman with 48. 48 goals. He didn't play in the full 82 games. I mean, come on. He also had, uh, what do you have, 137 points? 138. Yeah, he had 90 and assists. Bobby, and Bobby Orr had 139. That's, why, that's the record that Bobby keeps. But it, it, he's such an amazing defenseman. Yeah, no. So, and the Oilers, first year of the President's Trophy, best record in the league. Yep. They win. However, that year, as we talked about in our Grant Fear episode, um, something happens to them in the playoffs. Yeah, well. Um, basically, what I'm bringing up is in a series against Calgary, which led to their only Stanley Cup victory ever, um, another defenseman, Steve Smith, uh, scored an own goal on uh, Grand Fear, which basically tilted the... Uh, actually, no, Montreal won. Calgary won in 89, but it prevented the Oilers from going three in a row. In which they really... I mean, that's one of those that just... Yeah. Yeah, I would I would have loved to have seen Montreal that year with like a rookie Patrick Wall oh, play yeah. against Edmonton. Oh, my God. Like, just... I would probably still be watching that shit on YouTube, like, honestly. Uh, but uh, 86-87, they rebound. Um, he only played in 59 games, but still had 67 points Yep. as a defenseman. How the hell do you pull that off? But this is where we see him start to have a little bit of trouble with the front office because this is what I yeah. found so crazy is the Oilers go back. So they, this is their, they go back and win the Stanley cup and it's their third cup in the four in four years. And the team kind of gets dismantled after this, which is so crazy. Well, part of it on one hand, you have to attribute to economics because yep. of the Canadian dollars relative um, to 
you know, American money and all the other American franchises. That's always a factor. Uh, number two, they have their head coach, uh, Glenn Sather, uh, doubling as their general manager. And as we talked about on that Fear episode where it was like too good, too young, too fast, now you have to start paying these guys what they're actually worth yep. as far as NHL money. And they don't have it. Some of these guys like Fear, not Coffee, have some other issues as far as spending money and off ice activities as, you know, not singling out fear, but there were other guys in that sports illustrated article. Yep. And you're figuring out how to basically play money Tetris in granted. There's no salary cap, but you're not wanting to pay top dollar for these guys. And coffee kind of falls out of favor. And we see him get traded actually to uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Where, his career is is still good, but you can tell he needs to be on a good line. That's something that yep. I've noticed is he can't be on a shitty line because it just doesn't work. It's a weird thing where he's still a great defenseman, but he really needs to be on a great line and he will do everything you want. Well, and that's the thing is Pittsburgh is almost a godsend and a career rebirth for him. Like, where do you want to go where there's a dominant line? Oh, the team with Mario Lemieux? Yeah, yep. let's go ahead and do this. And he kind of goes to Pittsburgh at a time where the team is out of their bankruptcy issue. They're great. They have talent everywhere. And it's like, oh, my God, this is a perfect veteran addition um, back at the blue line. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to uh, let you know that our sports experience podcast is brought to you by Engel Studio here. And uh, they're here in Tucson for all your recording needs. That's the thing is he's coming not super old with a ton of experience. That's something that is so valuable. Because he's coming in his late 20s, yep. yet he's experienced all of this stuff in Edmonton. Yep. And, you know, he goes to Pittsburgh and really just keeps building on his career. Yeah. I mean, first season there, 67 points. They go to the postseason. In 88-89, he has 113. And then while they missed the playoffs in 89-90, uh, on December 22nd, 1990, he is the fastest defenseman to have 1,000 career points. Yeah. And, He's uh, 29 years old. 770 games. Yeah. It's incredible. I thought it was interesting when he uh, went from Edmonton to Pittsburgh, his number was seven, and he changed it to 77, and then he hit 1,000 points in his 777th game, or 770th game. I thought it was pretty uh, pretty interesting, man, how the numbers work out. So. Oh, totally. No, and then 90-91, that season, 93 points, 11 in the postseason, and they beat the Minnesota North Stars for another Stanley Cup victory. Which is his fourth, which is pretty awesome. I mean, it, you think about important parts in these championship teams. He is absolutely, in all these championships, he is definitely one of, like, one of the most important parts. Well, he's one of the most important parts because he puts the puck in the net. Either he's As putting it in the net himself or he's passing it to yeah. somebody who's wide open. I mean, he had such an instinct on the ice as the defenseman to be like, okay, I know what I need to do, but also like, what do I need to do to make my team better? Yeah. He was almost like a center playing defenseman. He was such a great player. 
And he was just cruising along in 91-92 with 64 points for uh, an eventual back-to-back champion there in Pittsburgh. But uh, they get rid of him. Yeah. And this is kind of what is maybe if there's any kind of stain on his career is he really can't stick with franchises very long. And then you see he starts to bounce around because he can't play on bad teams he's an ultimate kind of microwave player as far as like when things are going really well oh man he heats up he heats up like nobody's business and when pittsburgh gets rid of him he goes to la to kind of finish the year and teams up back with uh, gretzky which i thought was interesting curry yeah over there in la and then in 92 93 that team ends up making the finals but he's traded to detroit yep which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I was going to say, and this is what I feel like from him, he can identify that Detroit is right where Pittsburgh was with all this young talent. Exactly. And he's like, fuck yeah, I actually like this trade. That's why I loved the Detroit trade, because he was just like, here we go. Yeah, no, and Detroit at this time, as we brought up in that Avalanche Red Wings episode, um, Detroit has accumulated a shit ton of young talent uh, they did an amazing job scouting Europe and Russia for more players and more talent. And by 92-93, they're absolutely kicking ass. And 93-94, he has 77 points. And then in, stri- in the strike-shortened 94-95 season, where they go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, where they're playing like 50 games, he has 58 points yep. in 45 games. And then he has 18 postseason points. Unfortunately for the Red Wings at this juncture, they end up getting swept by the Devils in a very surprising series. Yeah, and that was the thing was everybody thought this was the start of this Red Wing dynasty, which we see come later. But it's it's interesting because he can really, you can see, pull these kind of teams together. And we see in, in 95-96, this Red Wings team, they're, they dominated. They're I mean, that's, unbelievable. That is the best. And I can say this with no compunction or anything like that. That 95 96 Red Wings team is one of the best, if not the best, regular season hockey teams that I've ever seen. Yep. Like they were a big red machine that's not Soviet related. And this is where we got. And if you want to check out this episode, it's filled with blood and ice. The. Episode four, I think. Yeah, but this is where the Red Wings Wings run into Colorado in the Western Conference Finals and end up losing. And it's kind of interesting because we see Paul Coffey actually score an own goal in one of these games, and it almost is like the trust with the front office goes away. And it it feels like it kind of happens even though – you know what I mean. Well, they're probably looking at him as this guy's 35 years old right now. This guy's done everything he wanted to in his career. I mean, that season in 76 games, he had 74 points. That's a point a game for a defenseman in his mid-30s. And granted, when you lose to the Avalanche, they were stacked after they left Quebec. And through that Patrick Waugh move, which was like the biggest thing outside of the Lindros trade, I mean, they're humming. That's who you need to beat after they take it in six games in the Western Conference Finals. And the front office starts getting creative um, the following season. And Well, 
it, it's he begrudgingly, and this is why American sports is interesting, gets traded to Hartford the Whale. Brass Bonanza, motherfucker. <laughs> and for Detroit, it actually is a great trade, even though Paul Coffey, like we said, one of the greatest defensemen ever, it actually works out really well for them. So it's, it's yeah. you know what I mean? So he gets traded for uh, Brandon Shanahan. Brandon and Shanahan was the main piece. They yes. wanted to upgrade their front line, and Brandon Shanahan, who, Hockey Hall of Famer, you know, a great player from the 90s into the 2000s, languishing in Hartford. And that, yes, and it's, it's interesting because you move one great piece for another, and it really clicked for these Red Wings. But I found it because I saw a quote Paul said, Paul Coffey said he was just like, I'm getting traded from a title contender to somebody that will never contend for a title. And no disrespect to Hartford, but no, at, but he at was this being juncture. Yeah, yeah. At, at this juncture, and I don't think any of Hartford's management would have been pissed off at him because 96, 97. I think was their last year in Hartford before yeah. they moved to Raleigh. Yeah, I mean, there you can. Fe- you, you, I bet there was a feeling around the franchise. I uh, mean, he played twenty games for them. And honestly, this isn't a Ron Francis type of player who made a new career in Pittsburgh. This is more or less like Paul Coffey's coming to Hartford. Let's get asses in seats and hopefully not move. Yeah. And it didn't go well for him in Hartford, but luckily at that season, he was traded to Philadelphia, who was just humming with Another great Lindros yeah. and the Legion of Doom, Jean LeClaire, all those guys. And that season, while he did well in the regular season, they made it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And who did they play? They played the goddamn Detroit Red Wings. And I feel like, and this is kind of the only time in the playoffs where Coffee kind of has a bad a bad series is it all came together for this one shit show. I just feel like he got too into his head and wanted to hurt the other team because he kept getting all these penalties yep. and he kept getting just bad play from what he normally would play. And that a uh, piece of shit, Darren McCarty fucking concussed him and knocked him and out game of the two series or something. Yeah. Or, uh-huh. yeah. And that's the other thing. So he gets, he gets one and a half games and in that one and a half games, he really did not have a great series. And this was supposed to be like his his redemption against the Red Wings. Yeah. And it, it ended up being like the end of his career. Well, if I think about it, I don't think the Red Wings up until that series had won a Stanley Cup since like the 40s or 50s. Yeah. I mean, they were essentially the Detroit Lions of the NHL where they had this storied history and then post-original six just kept shitting the bed. And I'll say this, Philadelphia, as good as they were that year, they were completely outclassed in that series. They got the absolute shit beat out of them. Yeah. And well, I feel like a lot of people saw that that old Red Wings team really could have won a couple more Stanley Cups, or at least they were just such a great team for so many years. But that's why I feel like Paul Coffey wanted to go in and win with the, with the Flyers. Not but- knowing that they would end up playing in the Stanley Cup, but yeah. just like, hey, I'm on a contender again. Yes, I mean, exactly. Yeah, you go from Hartford to Philadelphia in this era, man, that's, you know, outhouse to the penthouse. But uh, 90, uh, 97, 98, uh, played with the Flyers again, 37 games, only 29 points. And then uh, 98, 99, he was with the – and this is where you had talked about before. He just starts bouncing around. Yeah. At this point, 
you know, not to disrespect him, it's like, hey, I can still play hockey. I'm still put up stats, but and, and a name. It's yeah, a, it's a, it's double. So because he's old at this point, that's the thing I find so crazy about these guys. Thirty eight playing hockey is how do you keep going, especially as non goaltenders? Yes, because you're not taking shots. You're not putting yourself in harm's way or anything like that. Ninety eight, ninety nine is with the Blackhawks and the Hurricanes, the second version of uh, the Whale. Yep. Only 14 points. And then 99-2000 with the Hurricanes. He had 40 points in 69 games. But uh, the following year, he goes um, and plays for the Bruins in 2000-2001. Oh, yeah. Finishes up with the Bruins. And, and while he doesn't do much with the Bruins, it's interesting because him and uh, Ray Bork are on the same team for most of that season. Oh, okay. So the interesting thing about that is Coffey, who's already won four Stanley Cup finals, he's been to other Stanley Cup finals and come close. Ray Bork, I think, has only been to one by this point and didn't win, obviously. I think they got beat by Edmonton after Coffey had left. Um Ray Bork is the only guy to have more points than Paul Coffey as a defenseman in the NHL. And at around midseason that year, Bork got traded to Colorado and ended up winning a Stanley Cup with them. So, it, man, Ray Bork and Paul Coffey as the same back two in 1988. Dear God. Yeah. That would have been incredible to watch. Yeah, they're having... uh... 250 points between them. It's pretty insane. Yeah, and what's funny about Bork, though, and granted, this is no disrespect to him. This is absolutely no disrespect, but in comparison to Coffey, he played in 203 more games and had more points yeah. than Paul Coffey, and it's by not a significant margin. No, it's very small. Yeah. You can, you can see points per game. Paul Coffey has, has a way better the amount of playoff records this guy set as the defenseman for not only scoring but plus minus is ridiculous that's why i brought up that one time against detroit where he had this one bad series because he literally is playoff clutch every time yeah he was a liability in that and that's the only playoff series where you could ever say like paul coffee wasn't up to snuff but when you're in the playoffs every single year with edmonton and pittsburgh and detroit you're just like yeah, we can overlook that. It's like yes. Mariano Rivera for that Diamondbacks loss. Yes, just no, like, exactly. The law of averages says you're going to not be good but for one time. One, yeah, one time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's why Paul Coffey was such a great defenseman. But, uh, yeah, three-time Norris Trophy winner, yep. 85, 86, 95, which I found so incredible when he was with Detroit at age 34. He's the best defenseman in, in the league yeah, a, in the NHL. And then first-team All-Star, 85, 86, 89, 95, as you had brought up. Second-team All-Star, 82, 83, 84, 90. He played in the All-Star game 14 times. Well, that's what I mean. He was such a amazing defenseman for his whole career. Sometimes we see guys drop off eight years in, whatever you, whatever yeah. you want to say. He was the constant defending or def- offensive defender and it's such and he a, was great, a great defenseman as on defense one of the best defensemen i think that's what kind of sometimes gets lost in his stats is he was one and that's what we see with him three time defenseman of the year is that's not off scoring that's off him being 
a solid defender. But the amount of penalty minutes that guy took, it's not like he was just like a finesse player. Like he was a badass yep. back there for multiple franchises. He's exactly what you want as a defenseman. That's oh, what yeah. I feel like. It, it, you could like literally be just like, no, no, no. We'll take Paul Coffey. It, it's he's such a great overall hockey player well you look back to those oilers teams you're like oh we have wayne gretzky yari curry glenn anderson mark messier and then you go oh what's our back line like oh sweet jesus That's, paul coffee i feel like he almost gets lost in those names because yeah. his stats in the in that three stanley cup wins are just insane and granted like while you're feeding it to some of the nhl's best you still gotta feed it to him exactly and you still gotta score i mean that's Amazing. And then going to Pittsburgh, and he had that falling out with Scotty Bowman, who had traded him to Detroit yep. when all of that shit took place. <laughs> but uh, three-time Canadian uh, Cup champion, I mean, in 1998, the Hockey News ranked him 28th overall on the 100 best players for a century-long sport. I have to agree with it too. That he, he oh is, yeah, he is such he's so well deserving of all the accolades he gets. Well, it's like you have Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, Paul Coffey. Just pick one according to what your flavor is. That's what I mean. It's all preference at that point, and they're so good at the whole game of hockey, not just you know great defensemen, not just a, you know a scoring liability. Then on defense, they are literally just absolutely wonderful hockey players and he's 16th in career points in the all-time of the nhl first in goals as far as regular and postseason for defensemen with 455 i mean what more could you possibly want out of this player and granted in 2004 on his first ballot he's elected to the pro hockey hall of fame absolutely but uh yeah, one of the best ever. Hey, everybody, this is just a stock message at the end of every episode. We hope you enjoyed whatever athlete and or team that that episode was about. Just want to say give us a quick follow on all social media. We have a YouTube channel, the Sports Experience Podcast, and we're on Instagram, Totolo Dominic and myself, C. Quinn Comedy. So give us a follow all around. Um, we're always recording right here at Angle Studio. Thank you all very much.